Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma to the Job Seekers Podcast. Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Job Seekers Podcast. This is the Art of Negotiating Salary Part 2. So, you just heard me. This is Part 2. You're going to want to make sure you listen to Part 1 before hopping on this because I think Part 1 does a really good job of setting up the context of the negotiation, why it's important to negotiate, and when is the appropriate time. This one dives a little bit more into the how and the logistics of the negotiation itself. Um, so I'm speaking with Tony Simons here, and he's going to share um, some really amazing tips and, and techniques and things that you should do to make sure you have a successful salary negotiation. So we're going to dive right into it. Without further ado, Tony Simons. So power, um, I want to talk a little bit um, about power with you. I think it's one of your core concepts. Um, we talk about the best alternative to the negotiated agreement. So I want to kind of get into that. Um, why is power important and how do you get it in a negotiation? So there are several different kinds of power, but in a negotiation, the most important power is BATNA power, which stands, as you said, for best alternative to a negotiated agreement. It's what do you get if you don't make a deal with the person who's sitting in front of you right now. And that determines your ability to walk away, which ultimately determines your power level in the negotiation. If you have, a better, if you have better alternatives, you walk taller, you can demand more. And if the deal falls apart, big whoop, you've got great alternatives. Right. Right? So your alternatives are incredibly important. Likewise, their alternatives are incredibly important. So if you are job seeking, your power is going to depend on how many other offers do you have in your pocket or how many other prospects do you have in your pocket. And also it's going to be affected by how urgently do you need this job? Do you have a workable job right now or do you, or are you unemployed? If you're unemployed, you don't have as much power in the negotiation, right? If you have a job that's meeting your, your needs and you're just hoping to step up, you're in a much better situation. So, okay. so I, in general, I would encourage people not to leave their previous job before getting the next one. Um, Good sound advice. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you've got other reasons why you can pull it off. Um, right. So, so um, your alternatives make a big difference. It's what's, what happens if you don't make a deal, and there is all, you always have a BATNA. Sometimes it's not a very attractive BATNA, but there is always something that will happen if you don't make a deal with this person. You want to know what it is, okay? Because that tells you how hard you can push. That tells you how readily you can walk away. Right. You also want to understand the other side's BATNA and, and how, hard, you know, how, how hard would it be for them to fill this job, right? How unique are your skills? And as you go further along in your career, you have a, an increasingly unique profile. And if that, in, if that uniqueness is what they're looking for, then you, then you are in a very good position BATNA-wise, right? So the power, the, the power differential is gonna come about from the contrast between how good is your alternative and how good is their alternative. How good is theirs. Okay? There's other kinds of power as well, like charismatic power, which is where someone likes you. Sure, and, sure. Right? And, and if they like you, then making concessions gives them a vicarious thrill because they're liking you. So you want to have that charismatic power going. You want to be dressing well. You want to be funny. You want to be engaging. Uh, you want to be as positive as you can to capitalize on that charismatic power. If they like you, 
you're also much more likely to get away with something like the long pause where you just they're making an offer and you're just sitting there looking uncomfortable right. and they're going to want to come around to make you happy again because they like exactly. you. Exactly. And I want to go back to something you said, which was that you have a lot more power when you have other offers on the table. Um, I remember um, this was such an important thing for me uh, when I um, received, I think it was three different job offers when I was graduating college. Um, and so I was able to really use that and um, really kind of, it, it gave me a sense of confidence um, in asking for that higher salary and those compensation, which I did. So I thank you for that. Now, what if... Wait, I, I'd like to make a point about that situation where you have a few different offers. It, once you've decided to accept one of them, I want you to talk to your backups first and tell them that you're planning to accept because some of them might say, oh, let me sweeten my offer. Right. <laughs> if you've already accepted at the one place, you don't get to play that game. Right. But if you talk right. to them before you accept, then you can. Exactly. Uh, my follow-up question to that, however, is what if you don't have that luxury of multiple job offers? You know, for instance, I have clients who are, um, it's, they may not be in a good situation. Uh, they may be desperate for that job and they may have just gotten one job offer. Um, is it even in their right to ask for a higher salary? Should, should this be even be something that they pursue? If you don't have good alternatives, the first rule is don't let the other side know. <laughs> and that True. means I want you to practice how do you answer those questions when they're saying, where else are you looking? I want you to practice it so you can answer it without getting all sweaty and, and making it obvious that you don't have good alternatives. You may not verbally let them know, but you could subconsciously communicate that you're their only, um, you're, that's their only so option. So don't let them so. smell desperation on you at all. And, and practice and make sure that they're not smelling any desperation on you. Okay. You need to okay. contain. In, managing your information is a part of negotiation, and it's not dishonest to manage your information that way, right? There's, there's a whole gradient, gradient and you got to figure out what makes sense for you ethically. Um, but you don't want to disclose your BATNA. Frankly, your BATNA is the most confidential information in any negotiation. Because once the other person knows exactly what your BATNA is, then they know how hard you can, they can push you, and they will push you almost that hard. They, and, and so all they have to do to really get you, if they're not obnoxious about it, is to offer you something that's just a tiny bit better than your BATNA. And the purpose of negotiation is to do something that's way better than your BATNA, not just a tiny bit better. So if you don't have other alternatives, you can still negotiate, but you're limited as to how far you can push and you're probably not gonna wanna walk away, right? That probably any offer that they put on the table is better than your BATNA. So it's still okay to press, especially if you have objective data that points to why they should be offering more. If you can point them towards monster.com or you can point them towards some other source that uh, justifies a higher salary, okay. do that. And in fact, in okay. general, it's a really nice idea to point them towards a source, like I did with pointing the dean towards the dean across the street, right? If you can point them towards a source that is credible, that makes your argument for you, do it, okay? Excellent. So, yeah, and but then you're not going to want to threaten to walk away, and you want to be very mindful about not burning your bridges as you're doing Absolutely. that if you have a How do you respond offer. to the question, do you have any other job offers on the table when you don't want to give away your BATNA? I would say I'm really interested in your company. Let's have a conversation about the, the potential fit between uh, your needs and mine. 
Excellent. And so it's it's a it's a way of being respectful, but at the same time, not immediately giving away that power. You know, you can say, look, we've, we both have things we could be doing other than talking to each other. The most constructive thing is talking about how can we serve each other. Excellent. Very good advice. Are there any potential downsides to negotiating salary? Well, you don't want to do it in a way that is threatening to the other person. You don't want to do it in a way that conveys that money is the most important thing. You want to make sure that you wrap your requests in expressions of goodwill and in expressions of sincere interest in the company and in serving the company. Um, yeah, and you don't want to come off as someone who hasn't done their research. If, if they make you an offer and you come back with a counter offer that is twice what they're offering you, you're going to look like you're either playing games with them or like you have no idea what the market is all about, in which case that doesn't speak very well for you as a manager and they might not want to hire you. So be professional in your conduct. Be respectful in your conduct, but Excellent. honor yourself at the same time. That's great. And I just want to wrap up kind of uh, this section of the podcast here before we move on to the next part, which is our role play that we have going on. Uh, but any final words of advice that you'd like to give for those who are negotiating their salaries? Do that background preparation research. And uh, in your request, don't ask that they change everything about the job. Focus your request on one or two or three elements. You can, tr you can maybe tweak the salary a little bit. You can maybe tweak the, the job title a little bit. But don't come at them with a laundry list of 14 different things that you'd like to see different, because they're going to tell you to hit the bricks. Thank you so much for doing this and answering these questions here. Um, we do have one more section here uh, for our listeners. We're just going to do a quick uh, mock negotiation here. The pressure's on here. Uh, hopefully, I don't blow it. In fact, there's a good chance I will blow it, but that gives you more constructive criticism for me after here. Um, so we'll keep it very short and sweet to the point. But here's the basic situation. I am a job seeker. I have two job offers on the table. One job offer has a higher salary, um, so we'll call that 60K, and the other job offer is for 40K. I think that I'm worth more. Now, the position is for the same exact thing, so we'll keep things as simple as possible. Um, however, I would much rather take the one, to be honest, um, that offers a lower salary because I think it will offer me more management potential in the future. So what I want to do is negotiate with that 40K position up a little bit higher um, because really if it offered just a little bit more, this is something that I would take even if it was significantly less than the 60K position. So in this case, you are the hiring manager. You just gave me a job offer and I'm going to see if you can talk me up. And so, okay, but I, I want to offer another piece of advice before we go into this. Sure, I would love it. For your listeners you don't have to respond right away. You can thank them for the offer, acknowledge that this is a big decision, and you can get back to them in a few days. So don't feel like you have to be ready when they make the offer to make the counter offer. You can thank them for it and tell them that you'll get back to them in a few days. 
Absolutely. That's good advice. And I'd actually recommend that because, you know, a lot of the times you need to mentally prepare yourself because if you even launch into that conversation, you don't even know if you got the job. It's kind of hard to switch gears into negotiations mode. Um, and so that's something I would personally do. <laughs> yes, that, that, that in fact, if you are feeling a strong emotional reaction to getting yeah. the offer, you're hugely relieved. You're not in the mindset to negotiate. Do not negotiate as a general rule. Don't negotiate when you're feeling strong emotions, whether they're good, they're bad, they're what you know, if you're angry at the other person, if you're turned on by the other person, if you're <laughs> elated that you just got the offer, it's not time to negotiate right then. You want to calm down yeah. and get rational. 60k now. No, I we got to <laughs> keep the energy levels down. Uh, okay. All right, cool. Hopefully I don't blow this here. Um, I probably will, but let's try. All right. Okay. Mr. Okay, so, Go ahead. So, Chris, um, we've looked over your record and, and we're really impressed. And uh, we hope that you can come and work for us. So, uh, I'd like to make the offer of $40,000 and it would have the standard benefit package and uh, we'd be asking you to start in four weeks. Excellent, Mr. Simons. I'm extremely grateful for the offer. Um, I think that working for your company would be absolutely incredible. Um, however, I need to ask you, um, is that flexible by any chance, that salary you're offering me? Um, what are you looking for? That's a great question. And um, Essentially, I was doing some market research before this, and I saw that the average uh, for a position like this would be $50,000. Um, like I said, I'm extremely grateful for the offer. Um, I just want to possibly explore, um, possibly kind of meeting around that range of $50,000. Tell me about what, what are the sources that you're looking at that, that, that pointed you towards $50,000? That's a good question. Um, so I was doing some research um, on the... Bureau of Labor Statistics website, and they were saying uh, for a position of software developer here um, in this town in the middle of nowhere, they were offering $50,000. Um, and um, I kind of, you know, was pulling data from there, and I wanted to see if it was possible to kind of match that market average. Well, tell you what, let me do some background research, uh, we'll, and, and we will get back to you with, with, uh, with account with. Sure, that's, that's absolutely fine. Of, of what I find. Excellent. And once again, I want to emphasize that I'm extremely grateful for the offer. Um, I think your company is, is, is one that I think has an incredible amount of opportunity, especially within um, uh, supervising and management potential. So um, definitely thank you for that opportunity. And I look forward to connecting with you in a few days. Okay. Uh, yeah, me too. Okay. So All yeah, right. I thought that was good. I thought okay. that was good. Um, you pointed me towards objective data. Uh, you know, it, it, during the conversation, it would it would have to be more specific, I think. Um, but that's not a problem, right? This is this was a role play. Um, and yeah, uh, my guess is that the hiring manager would already be aware of of those discrepancies, might respond defensively. I appreciated how much appreciation you were wrapping your demands in. That was important. Right. Okay. And that, that was that was really good that you were acknowledging that you're acknowledging the importance of the relationship. And then you simply said, uh, you know, that, that this is this seems to be an industry average. There, there's some concern, um, you know, the, the response that comes back might you, someone might come back with, 
oh, but the cost of living in our town is lower or something like that. Right. Um, but pointing them towards an objective source of data, you, you just took that suggestion that I had offered you before and, and you nailed it, right? So you, you did a good job on that. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and, and nor did you endanger the relationship, right? And nor did you speak in absolute terms because that's another thing to be careful about is that if you say, look, I, I, I really, really could not accept a job that was $10,000 below the average of, uh, for the industry. That's a bold thing to say, right? You painted yourself into a corner. You know, likewise, right. during the conversation, you, can, you don't want to say, I'm sorry, this is absolutely the best I can do. And then five minutes later, you're doing better because you'll find that as you're speaking, you're undermining your own credibility. So you want okay. to work on your ability. You want to work on your uh, language so that, or not you in particular, anyone has to, uh, so that, you know, it, it would be really difficult for me to accept um, working at significantly below the market average because I'm not a below average performer. Okay, great. <laughs> right. And, and because I have degrees from here and here and I did really well and, and I, I, I don't understand why I should be taking a, a compromise on this issue. Absolutely. You want to keep the conversation open, you want to keep it welcoming, and you don't want to make the other person look like an idiot. Okay. That's good. I, and I appreciate that's that's very good advice. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I felt like I could have done better there. Um, and hopefully this should give people some more confidence and inspiration saying like, okay, this guy can do it at that level, I can do better. Um, and so um, I think my ums, I need to cut back on as well. I think that kind of gives away some psychological power there. Uh, perhaps. Um, and and women in particular frequently have speech patterns where they will end many of their statements with a question mark, mm. upward inflection, right? It's right, sort of right. a less aggressive way to speak is if you say everything as though it were a question, you're inviting agreement, right? Right. And I appreciate you coming on this podcast. And it sounds unsure. Exactly. It undermines your power in negotiation. If you're working on your negotiation, you got to get rid of that. You got you got to get control over that speech pattern, because a downward inflected statement is an awful lot more powerful than an upward inflected one. Sure, that's that's a good point. Uh, one more question, kind of on the the negotiation. Is there anything psychologically that you can do to get yourself revved up for that negotiation? Like I know if I'm headed to the gym, I'll turn on uh, some some Tupac or, or Biggie Smalls or something to get me amped up. But is there anything for a negotiation that you think? Get yourself psyched and get yourself grounded. Okay. And, uh, and, and let me offer that grounded idea. Even during the negotiation, if something comes up during the negotiation where you find the emotions fluttering or sure, the other sure. person has diminished you, has said something that makes you feel small, go to the bathroom. Not then and there. I mean, take a step outside and, and go pick up the phone. Get yourself <laughs> grounded. Take a deep breath. Get yourself okay. grounded. Um, so take deep breaths. Get yourself grounded. Have done the background research. Remind yourself about the background research. Visualize the success. Visualize the process and visualize it going well. And then you can move into it. Right, very deliberately, with your eyes open, with your feelings calm. Okay. As soon as you start feeling a little bit fluttery one way or another, take a breath, get yourself calmed down. Right. So your philosophy is it's it's more of the zen rather than the super amped up, like I'm headed to a football game, want to get my you know kind of the blood flowing type thing. It's confident. Be confident. Know what you're worth. 
be respectful, but yes, it's more of a grounded feeling than a rah, rah, rah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd do that. <laughs> this is what yeah. I like in class. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, right. So, so yes, it's, it's more about that, but you want to have a quiet confidence. Uh, you want, you want to build up that quiet confidence. So yeah, try say, say positive things to yourself. Um, remind yourself of, of the objective data, remind yourself of how much you're worth, um, and visualize it going right. Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, I really want to say thanks for joining us on this podcast. Um, for those who are more interested in, in, uh, business knowledge and success, could you just talk a little bit more about integrity dividend your company? Sure. So for the last, I don't know, 20 something years, I've been, I've been studying, uh, credibility and in particular, uh, people sense that their leader or that someone they're doing business with actually lives by his or her word. Do they follow through on their promises? Do they show the same values that they talk about? Um, and it's that simple idea of how good is your word is really, really important in business. It's really important in other relationships as well. Uh, and it's really challenging to manage. There's a whole lot of reasons why it's hard to have an impeccable word, but my research shows that it pays off. So I've been able to demonstrate, for instance, that that hotels where they where employees feel like their managers live by their word are way, way, way more profitable than hotels where people have questions, where people are uncertain. And if you've ever worked for a manager where you're uncertain of how good their word is, you know that it's not fun to work for that manager, right? right, there's, right. there's distrust, there's there's energy that goes into keeping yourself safe because you don't trust your boss. So, um, yeah, I found that uh, on a 10-point scale, a quarter-point difference between two hotels in uh, the extent to which people feel like their bosses live by their word translates to a difference in the profitability of the hotels on the order of a quarter million dollars. I mean, it's, it's massive. So I never would have thought that. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's this huge principle, and most leadership approaches say, oh, and by the way, you gotta walk your talk. They'll say that somewhere, and then they'll put it off to the side, or worse yet, they will trivialize it. That, that, it's, that phrase has become used so often that people have started to, to use the phrase, walk the walk, which I don't even know what the hell that means. Right? It's, it's become walk meaningless. So, yeah, I don't know what walk the walk means. Do you mean this walk or that walk, right? Are yeah. we talking John Cleese's silly walks? What are you talking about? Um, so, yeah, so I think that if you're working to build leadership in yourself, managing your credibility has got to be job one. It, it, it can't be an afterthought. So we, we need to be very mindful about managing our credibility. I wrote a book called The Integrity Dividend, Leading by the Power of Your Word, and it uh, it talks about a lot of the reasons why it's really, really difficult to do, and it sets up a bunch of exercises to help people get better at it. Excellent. So if I want to order that book, where do I find it? Amazon? What's that? Yes, it's on Amazon. Um, I will also offer that, that uh, courage is one of the reasons why people often don't negotiate, and it's also, in terms of managing integrity, it's one of the reasons why people often don't tell the truth. And so I teach workshops that are about courage. Um, um, they include a firewalk. I'm certified as a firewalk. Not just, uh, not just am I a PhD and certified to, to teach at a business school. 
Uh, I'm certified as a firewalk instructor. So I teach people how to walk on hot coals, which sounds crazy uh, and it sounds like a thrill uh, seeker uh, sort of a thing to do, but it ends up being, there's a bunch of physics reasons why it works. And it ends up being a one evening workshop that profoundly changes the way you think about yourself, the way you think about fear. Because fear is not the, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the judgment that there's something else that's more important than your fear. So to experience something that's scary and then to take a deep breath, calm yourself down, focus and move forward is a really useful skill to bring into a whole lot of situations in life. And right. uh, the firewalk right. workshop allows people to develop that skill. That's incredible. I don't. I don't want to give away uh, the secret if it is a secret here. But if you could just paint the picture of what a firewalk looks like, is it is it a ton of people? Is it you know just a few? Um, and what time of day is this kind of well, it's random gotta question? It's got to be in the evening because if it's daytime, you can't see the red hot coals. It doesn't work <laughs> as well. Frankly, it's dangerous. That's, you- that's a physics lesson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, what it looks like is typically anywhere from 10 to 30 people. Um, we do a workshop indoors, and we also go outdoors for the, for the firewalk. Uh, the firewalk itself is everyone lights a fire at the beginning of the evening um, that is all stacked up and soaked in kerosene, and everyone and you, 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 you light the fire and you think about what the firewalk is going to mean for you. Uh, it burns down for a few hours, and then... Uh, I rake it out and pound the coals flat, and then you end up with a essentially a corridor uh, that's about somewhere between six and ten feet long. Mm. Uh, and then we all go outside, we sing songs, and people have the opportunity to walk that firewalk, uh, to walk along that. Um, and I can tell you what the trick is on it. Uh, the tech, there is technique to it. There, there are things okay. that I do in order to make it safer. Uh, so I. No one should be playing with firewalking on their own without training. Um, but the technique comes down to the, exactly that process of, of relaxing uh, in the face of your fear. Because if your foot goes down onto the fire and your body is full of fear, your foot is going to go down like a claw and it's going to concentrate the weight. And the technique of firewalking is all about not concentrating the weight. Uh, I, was, I was leading a firewalk for the Today Show, uh, Jeff Rawson. And they wanted to do it live live during the day and so i figured out this whole elaborate scheme a, an opaque tent that we brought the coals into and stuff like that makes sense and, and <laughs> normally i set up the firewalk and then it's like okay go and he turns to me just before he's ready to walk and he asks for last minute coaching and this is on live tv and i respond to him what comes to me in that moment is exactly what he needed to hear, but it was not what I would have preferred to have go out onto live TV. And I says, unclench your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and how did that work out? Did he successfully unclench his butt? Feedback that he needed to hear. He was all clenched up and it would have screwed up his firewalk. <laughs> Hopefully they did a, a close camera shot just right at his butt and was like, yeah, that's that's perfect. So, so yeah, so he walks, it's fine. And then the home office is like, we have a question for the professor. What is it? Is, is it okay for Jeff to reclench now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just absolutely wonderful. Oh my gosh. So... Um, if I want to attend a firewalk, I, I think this is something you offer um, several times a year, correct? Yeah, it's it's not constant. I do them every two months or thereabouts. Um, and and so my my website for that is 
uh, either fearandtocourage.com or ithacafirewalks.com. Okay. Uh, okay. And, um, yeah, I also do consulting and that kind of stuff, uh, mostly through uh, integritydividend.com. Or if you'd like, you can hire me through the university. They take their cut. But yeah, Great. it does mean that the work that I do through your university gets to have the Cornell tag on it. Right. And so for those of you listeners who are interested in Integrity Dividend or the Firewalks, we're going to include some links at the bottom of this podcast description. Uh, If you're on YouTube right now, you're going to see this in the YouTube description as well. Um, So if you are interested, just click that link below and get excited. So It's worth traveling for. It ends up being a one evening workshop that has the potential to change your life. And it's a really good time all at the same time. Great. Well, Professor Tony Simons, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My sincere gratitude uh, because you took time out of your busy schedule to really help job seekers. Uh, So thank you for coming on here. You're very welcome. Good luck cutting it down to a half hour. Uh, We'll see how that goes. So that's great. Job seekers, listen up very carefully. I want you to get down your game plan for negotiating. Make sure you have done your research, um, more so than even I, um, when you're watching me uh, do this mock interview over here. Uh, So make sure you do your research. Write down what you think your BATNA is, because that's incredibly important. Also, make sure to subscribe to our podcast, because we have more amazing things like this coming up. Um, Who knows, we may have some more amazing negotiation topics. We may have more topics on anything job seeker related. So um, make sure you click that subscribe button and make sure to get excited here. Once again, Professor Tony Simons, thank you for joining us. That's a wrap and we look forward to having our next podcast. This podcast is powered by Let's Eat Grandma Resume Services, where I'm an owner slash investor. So there's an old joke behind the name Let's Eat Grandma saying that if you take the comma out of Let's Eat Grandma, you would like to eat your grandmother versus including the comma. It means a completely different thing. It's that you would like to eat with your grandmother. So do not forget those commas that can save lives. And we are firm believers in the power of punctuation. Let's Eat Grandma's helped in the past three years, hundreds and hundreds of clients in all different industries land better positions. The company actually rewrites your resume, LinkedIn profile, cover letter, you name it, to increase your chances of landing that coveted position. Let's Eat Grandma has existed for about three years and they have a handful of reviews that really have impressed me over the time. Uh, The first one being, I don't know if you remember me, but I am the little old lady that needed help with a resume when Phoenix Beverage was bought out and I needed to hit the unemployment line. Success has been achieved. I start on the 26th of this month with TriTech Communications. They have three offices in Maryland, Boston, and New York. I got my foot in the door, now watch me go. Jonathan from New York says, if you're looking for an honest company that truly does what they say, this is the company you wanna work with. I went from getting no calls at all to landing my dream job. Within the first few days, I heard back from a company I have been trying to get in touch with for almost two years. Thank you so much for all your help. So check out Let's Eat Grandma if you are looking to get your resume revamped. For listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first order. Just go to letseatgrandma.com, order any one of the main three packages. So that's the starter package, accelerated package, and premium package and enter the code podcast when checking out.